0: Welcome to this week's episode of The Thatcher Effect, a top 10 Utah Utes podcast. Utah football is just over a week away from kicking off the 2023 season. As the fans gear up for what is sure to be an exciting year, let's take a look at the upcoming schedule as a whole as I give you my predictions for the last ever ride in the Pac-12. Let's go. Hey, Thatcher Effect fans, this episode is brought to you by Homefield, the premium college apparel on the market. This is by far the most comfortable gear you'll wear to a Utah game all year. Even better than that, first-time buyers get 15% off their first purchase. Just use code VARIETYSPORTS, no space, and you'll get that 15% discount on some awesome throwback Utes gear. That's code VARIETYSPORTS. To start off the show, we'll get going with this week's headlines. Utah football is basically over with their fall camp as they now prepare for the Florida Gators. On Monday, head coach Kyle Whittingham spoke with the media about the current state of his team. He said that rising is progressing and that Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson are neck and neck and in a dead heat for the QB2 position. He also mentioned that Jaquinnon Jackson is now the featured running back. We'll hear back from coach next Monday at his usual game week press conference. The football team selected its captains and leadership council for the upcoming season. No surprises on any fronts as Cam Rising, Brent Keithy, Cole Bishop, and Karene Reed were named captains. And along with those four, Keaton Bills, Jaquindon Jackson, Connor O'Toole, Junior Tafuna, Satoa Lamea, Lander Barton, Sione Vaki, and Devon Vele were all placed on the Leadership Council. This team might have some of the best leadership I have seen on a Utah team in a while. More Utah award watch lists have been released with the following likely being the last before the season starts. Falcon uh, Kaumutule, Lavani Demuni, Sautoa Lamea, Simote Peppa, Junior Tafuna, Sione Vaki, and Devon Vele all made the Polynesian College Football Player of the Year watch list. Brent Keithy made the Earl Campbell, Campbell Tyler Rose Award for Top Offensive Player. Spencer Fano made On3's Preseason True Freshman All-American. And Cam Rising was named to the Johnny Uintas Golden Arm Award for the nation's top upperclassman quarterback. Great honors for the all-around. Uh, teammates for the Utah football team. Now onto the main topic of today's show. So for the main topic for this last week, before the regular season starts, I decided that I wanted to break down the 2023 Utah football schedule. I will go game by game of how I think this game will play out. What I think Utah needs to do to win the game. And for a little fun add on the side, I'm going to try and predict what the Utes will wear uniform wise In each contest this season. Of course, going off of last week's thoughts and the main topic of the show, I dissected a little bit of what Florida looked like heading into the next week. And now I really want to go a little bit further as to why I think Utah can possibly win, what Florida is going to bring to the table, and much more. So, as of right now, Utah is a four and a half point favorite. They opened up at just under a 10 point favorite when the line originally came out. But due to the rising situation, that line has severely plummeted. So obviously Vegas is seeing things that is making them hesitant on Utah. Still favoring them by four and a half, but keep in mind that a home team usually gets an automatic three-point advantage. So they're really seeing this as kind of a neck and neck game right now. ESPN's FPI predictor has Utah with a 67.9% chance to win, which I would agree with. So no really change for me there. Really going off of what I said last week, There are two factors into what I think will happen in this game. And if Rising doesn't play, I still think Utah wins this contest, but I think it looks just a little bit different. If Bryson Barnes or Nate Johnson are under center, if they're the quarterback for this game, in my opinion, as a Utah fan, I'm not asking them to win this game. I'm just asking them not to lose this game. I trust this Utah defense enough to stop Graham Mertz and this Florida offense enough times for Utah to score to be on top at the end of the contest. Graham Mertz is a solid quarterback. I went through his stats last week. He's been an average QB. Interesting note, he's done really well in game ones throughout his career. He's never lost a game one. And in fact, Florida hasn't lost a game one in a very long time. But Graham Mertz does not have a clean record against top 25 opponents throughout his collegiate career. And now he's going on the road to a tough environment against a top 15 team in Utah. Now this defense is going to take care of business. Morgan Scalley has come out recently and said that this might possibly be the best Utah defense he has ever coached. It rivals that of 2019, which if you can remember, has had NFL caliber all over the field. Uh, Most of those guys went on to start in the league following that year. So the fact that he's saying that this team, this defense is comparable with that one, is a pretty compelling statement. And I think you have to pay attention to those comments made by the Utah defensive coordinator. So I think if we'll just say for example for kicks and giggles for you know hypothetical if Rising is not starting I think Utah wins and I think they win with a final score of 27 to 17. Now Utah asked its fans to wear all red. They wanted to make it a red out. So I think a safe prediction is that Utah is going to be wearing the all red uniforms, white face mask on the red candy apple helmet. I think it's a great look. Uh, I don't remember Utah actually wearing that look last year because the only time they wore all red was against Southern Utah. And I believe that was with a black face mask. I think it looks better with a white face mask. That's just one man who loves uniforms. That's his personal opinion, but that's what I think they're going to go with on week one. So I'm having the Utes starting out 1-0. and oh. Now, onto the second game. At Baylor, September 9th. Utah, right now, per ESPN FBI predictor, has a 53.8% chance to win. Which, again, I could agree with. Baylor is an interesting opponent to dissect going into this 2023 season. In 2021, they were the Big 12 champions. Had a fantastic year. But last year, they're coming off of a 6-7 and record. Very interesting. As someone who lives in Provo, who goes to BYU, I was able to attend the BYU-Baylor game last year, which was BYU's home opener. At that time, Baylor was the 10th-ranked team in the country. It was a close contest. And if you look at both teams at the end of the year, they were comparable. It was just two mediocre teams in the end. But what really set the tone against Baylor for for the Cougars last year was the amount of physicality. And I think that also translates to BYU's win over Utah in 2021. That's how BYU has been able to get these marquee wins at the beginning of their season. They've just been the more physical team. I think this is the key for Utah to get on the right foot and set the right tone against the Baylor Bears in the second week of the season. You have to be the more physical team. The Bears had to replace almost their entire offensive line so that's really where Utah is going to have to win. That physicality is going to be in the trenches. From what we've heard from Kyle Whittingham on the Coaches Show with Bill Riley on ESPN 700 this last Tuesday, Utah's a little bit beat up right now on the front defensive side of the ball. And from what we've looked at on the depth chart, that's one of their deepest positions on the entire field. So if youths, if the Utes can get healthy going into Waco being able to try and get a win, you need to be able to have a strong defensive front. And especially, I think, on the defensive ends. you got to get to the quarterback. Blake Chapin is an average quarterback. He's kind of comparable to a Graham Mertz. But Baylor has a strong run game. But because they're replacing that offensive line, once again, I think the defense needs to be physical, but the offense as well. The Baylor defense had a a weird year. I think it's kind of comparable with their record. Just a little bit off from what the kind of talent that they had on the roster. So. The Utah offense, once again, you need to dominate in the trenches, give whoever's quarterback enough time to make some plays, and you need to set up the run game. That's absolutely critical. I think this game is going to be a close contest. And I think especially with Utah coming off of a tough physical game against Florida in week one, I can't really see them turning around, playing a great game against Baylor. I don't think Baylor is going to be a great team. In fact, they're predicted to be a middle-of-the-road Big 12 team again this year. But I think it's a tough environment for Utah to go into week two, coming off of a power five win against an SEC team. As of right now, I'm going to predict that Baylor wins a close game, 34-31. As far as uniforms go, I think Utah's going to go with a whiteout. Um, I believe the only time we saw this whiteout was last year, was in the Colorado game. So white helmet, white face mask, they're just going to deck it out clean. I think it's a great look, and I think especially at Baylor, that could look really well, especially the all-green versus the all-white. I think that would look money on the field. Next, Game 3, Utah now 1-1. and They're going to go up against Weber State. Not much to dissect here. Utah has a 96.5% chance to win. This is just a good practice game, and I think there's many ways that this game could play out, especially at the quarterback position. Now, this could be the game where Rising is now back and fully healthy. And where they just want to get him some clean reps where he they know he's not going against a super physical team. He can just get going with his wide receivers that he hasn't played with in a live game yet. And he can just start to kind of get the momentum rolling. He's not going to play the full game. He can play the first half. But just so he can get some live reps before you get into Pac-12 play. Another way I can see this going is if Rising is possibly able to get going for Florida and Baylor, this is the game where he sits out. Try and get that knee healed up. Try and get the lower leg strength back. Because once again, you're going into Pac-12 play. We need as much of a healthy rising as we can get. Once again, this is just a breather game. This is where you can correct some things. And while I'd like to have this as the first game of the season, this isn't a bad spot as well. Because as I'm predicting this, Utah's coming in one and one. They're coming off of a bad loss. That way you can correct maybe what you missed in the floor win. Because usually in those first games, It's such an emotional contest against such a great opponent that you're just happy you got the win. You'll try and correct things going into Baylor, but I think if you lose that Baylor game, the coaching staff will really focus on the things that they're not doing well off the bat, and they can fix that against the Wildcats. I think it's absolutely doable, and hopefully they can be able to get it done. As far as uniforms go, I'm predicting that they'll use a black helmet, red jersey, red pants. Last time they used this was against Weber State in 2021. I think it's a good combo, and it's a great one to kind of start the season off at home. or Excuse me, your second game at home. All right, so next, and I going back, I think Utah wins that one, 48-7. to All right, going into the next game, UCLA at home. Pac-12 opener, and UCLA is an interesting team. As of right now, Utah has a 77.5% chance to win per ESPN. This was an interesting team to kind of research and break apart. UCLA loses their five-year starter in Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who was such a fun quarterback to watch play. Obviously not against the Utes, but I loved his athleticism, the confidence that he had in himself. And so far, from what I've heard, he seems to be doing very well for the Cleveland Browns right now in preseason in the NFL. doesn't surprise me one bit. Him and Anthony Richardson, quarterback for Florida last year, are super comparable in my eyes. I see them kind of on the same level. UCLA is bringing in a five-star freshman quarterback, Dante Moore, who is now projected to be a starter, and many analysts have been very high on him. In fact, a lot of them say there's not going to be a ton of drop-off from Dorian Thompson-Robinson. There's still obviously going to be those freshman mistakes, but they're thinking that he's going to have a pretty solid year. Last season, the Bruins were also the number four offense in the nation averaging 503.6 yards per game. Absolutely insane. The problem that Utah had last year was obviously containing that offense. Something that Utah has done in losses, mostly throughout the Pac-12 era, is that they will allow one wide receiver, tight end, running back, just one player on the offense to go off against them. And then as they try to overcompensate for one mistake, it creates a compound mistake. And so then more things kind of trickle, roll down, and you end up losing the game. You're not able to catch up. That kind of happened with the game last year against UCLA. They weren't able to contain a few wide receivers. That opened up the running game. And as such, Utah was just n- nibbled, never able to come back offensively. Rising also had a tough game. And so if I'm Utah, you really need to contain this offense. Make sure that Moore is creating those freshman mistakes. Once again, Utah's going to have a strong defense. So you need to project that onto him, intimidate him, rush him, blitz him, hurry him up. Because the more that he makes mistakes, the better that Utah has a chance to win. Another thing is that UCLA brought in a new defensive coordinator, Deonton Lynn, from the Baltimore Ravens. So you brought in an NFL guy to improve that defensive side of the ball. So looking at all of these stats, what is going to win this game? I think the turnover battle is what is going to determine a win against the Bruins and the Utes. I believe will have to win the turnover battle by at least two to earn a comfortable win. I think Utah can do that against this offense. And I think they win this game 37 to 21. Keep in mind that as I go throughout the rest of the year, this is the predictions that I'm making with rising at quarterback. I think it changes a little bit for Utah if he's not healthy until the middle of the season. But once again, I think the Utah offense is capable enough to score points once you get to the third or fourth game of the season without Cam in the backfield. I just think it's doable. But I think Utah wins 37-21 if Rising is the starting quarterback. So as of right now, Utah is 3-1, and 1-0 and in Pac-12 play. Now, this is the game that I, this next game I've talked about many times in the revamped podcast as uh, something that Utah fans need to be worried about going into this season. And that is on the road at number 18, Oregon State, the following Friday. Okay, there's so much going on here that just does not go in Utah's direction. Okay, but as of right now, Utah, according to ESPN metrics, has a 53% chance to win this game. First of all, let's talk about that Friday night. You don't even have a full week to prepare, to turn around, get ready for a top 20 team. Oregon State, in my opinion, is going to have a top two defense in the conference. I've said that in multiple episodes. Now you have one less day to prepare for these guys. You're going to be on the road in a night environment in Reese Stadium. Keep in mind, Oregon State fans are very passionate. You have a brand new $300 million revamped stadium. And this is a program now that is being left behind by almost every other team in the Pac-12. I think this team will be determined to kind of prove, hey, although we're getting left in the dust, we're going to prove it to you this year that we belong. I think they're going to bring that mentality, especially in this game, against the back-to-back champions who are coming to their home stadium. DJ Ungulele is now the QB1. It was reported by Coach Jonathan Smith. He's going to be the quarterback. Keep in mind he's a transfer from Clemson very highly touted quarterback coming out of uh, out of high school. He didn't have a great time at Clemson, but he didn't have an absolutely terrible time. Sure, he did get benched, but Clemson was still a top 25 team and he was able to get them some solid wins. He had some flashes, kind of like a a top quarterback in the nation type of flash, kind of like a, a Caleb Williams type of throw. And so he has the ability to get that going. Oregon State has a great offensive line. So he is predicted to have a lot of time in the backfield to get off, get some throws. So Utah, you have to put some pressure on that offensive line. This is going to be a defensive game because as I've stated that Oregon State has a strong defensive side of the ball, Utah has a strong defensive side of the ball. This one is going to be, in my opinion, like the Oregon game from the 2022 season. I know Bo Nix was injured. I know Rising was a little bit injured. That by far probably wasn't, it was probably his worst game as Utah's quarterback. But it really came down to the defense. In the first half, Bo Nix was able to really do anything he wanted on one leg. And that's because they were throwing quick slant routes, quick dig routes, um, screen passes, things where the ball was quickly out of Nix's hands. It stretched the field out to the four sides. And that way you didn't injure your quarterback, but also you can use those Oregon athletes to kind of, space out the field and get first downs. Utah was able to fix that in the second half and they really limited Oregon's offense. They weren't able to do anything. But Utah's offense also wasn't able to do anything due to turnovers and a lack of being able to stretch the field, throwing long passes, doing long runs. They just weren't able to make any really big plays. I think this is going to be a similar vibe to what that game was like last year. And I think... Whoever wins this game is going to be the one who sets the tone early and who gets, the, who gets the job done in the first half. That's what Oregon did last year, and it was enough to give them the win against the Utes in Eugene. I think Oregon State will be the one that does that. As of right now, I don't have confidence that Utah can be a strong road team this early on in the season. Rising has been a fantastic quarterback. He's been a great leader. But it's been interesting to note the difference in mentality for me as a fan when Utah's playing on the road versus when they're playing at home. Utah hasn't given me a lot of hope that they can compete and play at the same level that they do at Rice-Eccles when they're traveling, and I think this will play very much into effect in their first Pac-12 road game of the year, especially on such a quick turnaround. I think Oregon State will get a marquee win early in the season, and I think they win this game 24-17. to Now, Utah will then go on their bye week. I think this is going to be a crucial bye week for Utah. Once again, get your players healthy. There's certainly going to be people that are banged up. And then coming back, you're going to have a very easy opponent. One that should not be overlooked, but another opponent where you don't have to really stress. Just get the job done. Take care of business. You're going up against the Cow Bears on October 14th. Per ESPN, they have an 84.7% chance to win. There's really not much to say about this game. I don't really have a lot of opinions on these lower-tier opponents that Utah's going to have to face this year. But Cal has a really tough schedule. Up to this point, they will have already played Auburn, Washington, and Oregon State by the time they get to Salt Lake City. I know Auburn's going to be a lower-tier SEC team, but once again, it's an SEC team. And as I mentioned in the Florida preview on last week's episode, that comes with an automatic level of physicality that isn't really matched in any other Power 5 conference in the country. Cal is going to have to perform to the highest level in order to be Auburn, okay? But say they do it. Now you have to play against Washington, probably the greatest offense in college football this season, comparable to USC. And then you have to play against Oregon State, who I just had Utah losing to. Then they have to travel to Utah and play this team. I think by that point, Utah, again, just take care of business. Play your style of ball, you'll be able to get the win. I have the Utes winning this one 45-14. to 14. Now, here's where things get a little bit dicey, all right? And this is because this is the middle of the season, and this is where the Pac-12 really compacted Utah's schedule. This is where they really kind of threw it on them. But keep in mind that also Utah's opponents and the other teams that are competing for a Pac-12 title also didn't get the luckiest draw. I think Oregon State probably has the best season or schedule buildup as a whole. But USC, they've got a really tough second half. Oregon, really tough schedule as well. So keep in mind that Utah's not the only one going through a gauntlet, but at the middle of the season, this is where Utah hits their toughest stretch. After Cal, you're going to go on the road. You're going to head back to the Coliseum in Los Angeles, where they will play, as of right now, the ranked 6th USC Trojans. Utah, as of right now, going into this game, only has a 31.6% chance to win. That is agreeable. I can see that. USC is coming back with a Heisman winner in Caleb Williams. The Trojans lost two games to Utah last year. They will have revenge on their minds. I know that Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley said that Utah wasn't scheduled on their minds in the preseason at Pac-12 Media Day, but they're going to have this game scheduled. There's no doubt about it. Utah has not had the best luck playing in the Coliseum. In fact, in 2021, when they beat the Down Trojans, in a really down year. That was the first time they had won at the Coliseum in over 100 years. And that was against a USC team that didn't even make a bowl game. Now you're going up against a team that many are predicting are going to make the college football playoff at their own, their own home field. But USC has not changed from last year. I know many of you who have listened to me, you know my stance on USC. Their defense is the same. Their offense is going to be high caliber. You've got a great wide receiving core. Once again, comparable to Washington. Fantastic. You have Caleb Williams, who is once in a generation college quarterback. The level of throws he makes when fully healthy is astonishing. In fact, even injured, he was one of the greatest quarterbacks I ever witnessed in a live game. He was just able to do whatever he wanted. But the defense could not stop Utah. Keep in mind, they kept Alex Grinch as their defensive coordinator. They mainly kept him for building culture and recruiting. But as ter- in terms of coaching schemes, he has proven that he can't compete with the big teams on the big stage. He lost to Utah twice last year in two games that meant a lot for their program. And then in the bowl game in the Cotton Bowl, they lose to Tulane. Once again, they weren't able to stop Tulane. This defense was 94th in scoring last year, and they were eighth worst in yards per play. It astonishes me that Kalen Bullock, the starting safety for the USC Trojans, is a preseason All-American. When he got absolutely destroyed by Thomas Yasmin, a, a third-string tight end at Utah, he he just he didn't even look like he wanted to tackle him. And the fact that that guy is a preseason All-American, pretty astonishing. Again, I'm not bashing this USC offense, but I think the key to win this game against USC on the road is going to be exactly the same as the keys that you had to use in last year's wins against USC. First off, you need to work the defense. Utah offense, you cannot stall. You cannot get off to a rough start. You have to set the tone. That was the only flaw in the two wins against USC last year. Utah dug themselves a hole. Luckily, the defense was able to make some critical stops in the second half of both games, and Utah was able to kind of get the steam rolling. But right off the get-go, you need to work the defense. Prove to them you're there and get them hustling right off the bat. Second off, the defense. You just need to make enough stops. I'm not expecting Utah to keep USC under 30 points. It's not going to happen. USC is going to score the ball. But you need to make critical stops at critical junctions. And it only needs to be a few times. I think a key to getting one of these stops is to force one turnover. That's insane. I only think that Utah needs one turnover to win this game. Back in the day, and as I've stated in games previous to this, in this upcoming season alone, you usually need to win the turnover battle by at least three to win comfortably, two to win by a decent margin. Utah just needs one. I think they just need one turnover. Caleb Williams only threw four interceptions last year. That's insane. Utah needs to be one of those teams, or they need to force a fumble. As of right now, this is probably my hot take. Maybe it's not, but I think Utah beats the USC Trojans 42-35. to I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be another game of the season. But I think Utah comes out of the Coliseum with a win, and that's going to be their marquee win of the year. Now, this is where things get tough. You're going to be coming off an emotional game against the Trojans on the road but now you're coming back home against number 15, Oregon. What a doozy, and what a back-to-back. This might be the toughest back-to-back that Utah's ever played in their Pac-12 era. As of right now, Utah has a 59.2% chance to win this game. And uh, sorry, but I totally forgot that I've missed out on some uniform predictions. Let me go back. Let me go back. At Oregon State, I think Utah wears white helmet Red face mask, white jersey, red pants. Book it against Cal, black helmet, black jersey, red pants. Put it in the books against USC. I think they're gonna pull back what they did in 2021. They're gonna wear that all-white Utah throwback. I think I think it's a fantastic look. And Utah, Utah usually pulls that out for their biggest games of the year. Now against Oregon, I think this is the blackout game, and it's gonna come with this year's hand-painted helmets, which I'm excited to see what they'll be. I hope hopefully they'll do it again. Because it has been a yearly tradition since 2016. Okay, we've got that out of the way. Oregon is an interesting team to dissect, to research, to kind of look at. The Ducks went heavy into the portal. And I really think that's because of the way that they finished the season. When they beat Utah in the second to last week of last year's regular season, it was highly anticipated that they would be in the Pac-12 Championship playing against USC. I thought about it myself. In fact, right after the loss, I didn't think there was a path for Utah anymore to make it to the Pac-12 championship. And all that the Ducks needed to do once I found out that there was a path for Utah, Oregon, in order to shut that down, they just needed to beat Oregon State. And they were up 31 to 10 at one point against the Beavers. But then they absolutely blew chunks. They lost that game. Utah found themselves in the Pac-12 championship. The rest is history. But a lot of Ducks fans are obviously mad with the way that things ended last year in Dan Lanning's first year in Eugene. So they went into the transfer portal. They picked up some guys on offense and on defense that come from really great conferences, Big Ten, SEC, that I think can help them improve on areas that they were limited at last year. Now, what's the key to this game? First off, I think the key is to limit Bo Nix. He can't have an electric game. Last year, Bo Nix was playing on one leg. He had an okay first half, but once again, he wasn't being the electric Bo Nix. He was throwing quick passes. Once again, slants, screens, dig routes. He's doing stuff just to get the ball out of his hands. Predicting that Bo Nix is fully healthy, you have to limit him. No electric plays. You have to make sure that he plays that same style of offense where he just wants to get the ball out of his hands. No big yardage plays. Just limit that offense. He can have a good game, but that's about to the extent that you can have him play if you want to come out with a win. You just need to have him have a good game, nothing more. I think if you do this, you limit the ability for play action with their electric running backs that they have in Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington. Oregon's running game is always going to be stellar. And that's because Oregon realized the key to playing a great game is that you don't need these fantastic football athletes. You just need speed sometimes. Oregon track and field is the greatest track and field program in the entire country. We know this. But Oregon has started pulling in track athletes to bring into the football program purely because of their speed. Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington are really quick running backs. In fact, that duo combined for almost 2,000 yards of run of rush yards last season. So if Utah can limit Knicks, then you know we only need to focus on these running backs. You have to limit what you're focusing on. Because as of right now, that backfield for Oregon is really tough to go against with that duo of running backs plus Bo Nicks. Bodacious Bo Nicks is Nike would like to have him called right now. But I think Utah can come in here and win a game. And I think that because of home field advantage and because I think they're going to go and think about what happened last season against Oregon, and they're going to want to go back on that. I think special teams will play a certain role in this game as well. I think what limited Utah in the game against Eugene last year is they weren't comfortable enough with their field goal kicking. And because of that, they went went for it on fourth down when it was a fourth and six and not a fourth and short at like the 35-yard line. And so it's it's tough for you to win a game if you're not comfortable with your special teams. Utah's got a good kicker this year. I think they win this game semi-comfortably 37-24. to 24. This feels like a comfortable win for, for Utah, and that probably might be my hot take of the year. So now you're coming off of two wins, two great wins back-to-back. That's, that's probably my take for this year. They beat USC. They beat Oregon in back-to-back weeks. Next up, you're going to stay at home. You're going to play the Arizona State Sun Devils, where as of right now, Utah has an 88.6% chance to win. Utah, in my prediction, they're going to be wearing a red helmet with red jersey, white pants. Uh, The uniform combo that we saw against the Arizona Wildcats last season. This is a very similar prediction that I have to facing the Cal Bears. Take care of business. ASU is okay on offense. They're okay on defense. They picked up some decent uh, transfer portal pickups. They picked up Drew Pine from Notre Dame. Jacob Conover came in from BYU. But they also picked up Jane Rashada, a five-star QB. Kenny Dillingham is going to be a great uh, coach for ASU. And I think he's going to lead the Sun Devils back to prominence very soon. I just don't think it's this year. But I think they're going to surprise at least one of the Pac-12 title contenders this season. I think they're going to surprise one of those teams. I don't think they surprise Utah. And I think the Utes win that game 35-13. to I think it's going to be an excellent game. I think this is one where Utah can be able to fine-tune some skills. You might run into some problems, but I think Utah wins that game. Now we're heading into the final three games of the season. Right now, as far as what I've predicted, Utah's lost two games. And it's not against the Trojans. It's not against the Ducks. Right now I have them losing against Oregon State and against the Baylor Bears. Now you're going into, in my opinion, the toughest game of the year. You are at number 10 Washington, and as of right now, Utah has a 51.8% chance to win. I am so glad that Utah did not face the Huskies last year, because that offense is a doozy. In my opinion, Michael Penix Jr. should have been a Heisman finalist last year, purely based off of his stats alone. And I think he's going to be a Heisman finalist this year as well. I don't know if Bo Nix is going to be a Heisman finalist. I think Caleb Williams will be. But as of right now, Utah could very well possibly be going up against three Heisman contenders in four weeks. And this week, you're in Seattle. You're in a very tough road environment. I think this is the game of the year. This will have a similar vibe to the Oregon game of last year, in that whoever wins this game will have a step ahead of the loser and a big step and going into the Pac-12 title in the Pac-12 championship game. This, in my opinion, has to be the same game plan as USC. You just have to make enough stops on defense to halt Michael Penix, maybe force a turnover, and change the tide. Offense, you need to get rolling right from the get-go. For some reason, this Washington game kind of reminds me of the vibes of how Utah won in 2019. Utah was by far the better team, but in the road, tough road environment, they got out themselves off to a rough start. But then the Jalen the Johnson pick six kind of sparked things. Utah was able to come back and win that game by a semi-decent margin. This is going to be a similar vibe. And in fact, that's why I had Utah wearing a white helmet, black face mask, white jersey, black pants. I think the white helmet, just something works there in Seattle. I like that. I like that combo. Now, the only difference between the USC game and this Washington game is that the Utes need to take advantage of the weak pass defense, and Rising needs to have one of his best games of his career. You just need to have a solid game against USC, a solid game against Oregon. This needs to be Rising's pinnacle. This needs to be his his peak game against Washington because their secondary is weak. I understand that they had injuries last year, and that proved it in the statistics in terms of pass defense for the Huskies. Keep in mind, this is the 10th game of the season. They're going to have injuries. And even if it isn't on the secondary, it's still, in my opinion, going to be a weak position on the field for Washington. Rising, you need to take advantage. That's how Utah wins this game. I think he has to have something comparable to that of USC last year. You need to throw for close to 400 yards. The running game can maybe get it done, but I just think it really relies on the passing game in this one. I don't think it happens. Because once again, I'm asking a lot of rising. And I think that's the minimum for Utah to win this game. He needs to have his best game of his career. I don't think it happens. And Utah's going to let this one get away from them in the second half. I think Washington wins this one 34-24. to So now Utah's lost three games. And again, it's a similar vibe to, I think, how Utah fans felt after the Oregon loss last year. We're out of hope. We're out of luck. We're not going to go to the Pac-12 championship game. I just don't think, though... That the Pac 12 as a whole is going to have two one loss teams. I just don't think it's plausible. So, Utah does have three losses, but only two of them are conference losses. I think there's going to be other teams that have two conference losses. Now, well, maybe USC does go 11 and one, but I don't think they do. And so, I think it's once again, this is going to be two teams going into the championship with two losses in conference play. So Utah, I think, still has a path. I'll get into that once I finish this full schedule breakdown. So coming off of a tough Washington loss on the road, now you're going down to Tucson, Arizona to face up against the Arizona Wildcats, where as of right now, Utah has a 76.6% chance to win. This is another dark horse game, and this might be another hot take, but I think it's comparable to the Baylor game or to the Oregon State game, a game that cannot be overlooked by Utah. Two years ago, when Arizona was at their lowest of lows, Utah went in there and had a tough game. In fact, Arizona led for about half of the contest until Utah kind of pulled away at the end. But Utah had a tough going to Tucson. And keep in mind, that's a Pac-12 championship Utah team in 2021. Now, I understand that the players came out and said after the game that they really didn't do too much prep on the Wildcats that year as they were preparing for number three ranked Oregon coming into Rice Eccles the following week but this Arizona team is much better than that one. And now Utah, you need to win these last two games if you want to stay in contention for a Pac-12 championship title. To start off with the uniform combo, I think they're going to go with a red helmet, black face mask, white jersey, red pants. The last time that I can think of them wearing this was in 2019 against Arizona on the road. I think they're going to pull out that same combo. It's always an ugly game against the Wildcats. And even if you win by a comfortable margin in the end, Utah just seems to always make mistakes that kind of keeps Arizona in it for a little bit. We saw that at the beginning of the Arizona game last year and toward the end, even if it was the second and third string defense. And I think looking at the game two years ago, you just see that Utah is making critical mistakes against Tucson. I think the main key to this game is to contain Jaden Delora. He's not one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he's electric. I think a great example, if you want to go watch of how he can play in big time games is look at the USC game from last year. The thing about Jaden DeLore is he's not a pocket quarterback and he's very elusive. He knows how to run around, but he's got a cannon of an arm. He doesn't have the same body build, but I think his style of play is very similar to that of Anthony Richardson and Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's kind of that get out of the pocket, make crazy plays. So in my opinion, the Utah secondary needs to be on top of their game. But on top of that, I think the key position for Utah to come out on top is going to be the outside defensive line, the defensive ends. I think you need to get pressure on DeLore and contain him into that pocket. Don't let him escape and stretch the field out. Don't let him go out to the outside to the sidelines because that's where he's going to try and create plays. If you can contain him to the pocket, I think Utah's secondary can make enough plays, can force some turnovers to win this game against Arizona. But that's the key. You have to contain Jaden Delora. I also think Utah needs to win the turnover battle by at least two. I've said that before, and I'll say it again. You need to win the turnover battle in almost every game if you want to come out with a victory. I think Utah needs to do this one by at least two. You need to be plus two in the turnover margin. I think Utah does it. I think they recovered from a tough Washington week, and I think they win a semi-close game 27-20. to 20. Now we're going to be heading into the final week of the season against the Colorado Buffaloes, where as of right now, Utah has a 94.1% chance to win. Colorado, such an interesting team to look at. And I think that's because obviously of Coach Prime coming in, revamping the entire roster. You look at some of the ways that he's instilling his culture over there in in Boulder. I think that by this point in the season, by the last game of the year, this team's going to be gone for the buffs. I I just think that either they're going to be competing for a bowl game, and so that will make it a, a really good matchup to begin with, but I don't think, as far as what I've predicted for Colorado, that they're not going to be fighting for bowl eligibility in game 12. I would not be surprised if the Stars for Colorado were sitting this one out. In terms of their mentality, I th- just think that's the kind of players they are. I could be wrong because one of them is Coach Sanders' son, and he could force them to play even if they're not going to make a bowl game. But I think if they're not playing for something, I don't think that Sugar Sanders is going to want to play a game. I don't think that Travis Hunter is going to want to play a game. And Colorado's going to be pretty beaten up. I don't think they have a lot of depth. And because of that, I think Utah wins this one pretty com- comfortably, 49-14. to 14. I do have some personal reasons that I would love Utah to beat the crap out of Colorado. If you'd like to find out what that is, please come and talk to me. I have a lot of fun talking about how much I'm looking forward to this Colorado game. And as of right now, I think Utah finishes with the white helmet, white face mask, red jersey, red pants. I think it's such a good combo, and I hope they use it against the Buffaloes. So, as far as what I've told you, I think that Utah finishes 9-3. But once again, I think that the way that the conference plays out, they will have another shot to make it to the championship game with two conference losses. Now, if they do get to the Pac-12 championship game, I'm going to bet on them to win it, no matter who it is. They've gone the last two years. They've gone up against the odds. 2021, you can't beat a team twice in a short span. They did it against Oregon. Last year, that's a Heisman contender, and you and uh, Caleb Williams, that's a playoff contender, in the team as a whole—they're—they're they're an electric offense. You got lucky by only winning by one point at home, in such a tough environment. How can you do it in a neutral stadium? Utah did it again. But as of right now, I'm just on the fringe of being absolutely confident that they can make it to the Pac-12 championship game. There are two things that I want to see Utah do in the opening week that can maybe get me over that line to make me absolutely confident in this team. First is physicality. And you're, kind of prob- you're probably saying you're a Utah fan. You should probably know that physicality is an automatic for a Utah team. I don't think so much with this team in terms of going up against an SEC team in the first week. They need to prove they're the dominant physical team against an SEC team. That's going to be a key for week one. Second one, mental toughness. I need to see that, especially in a road environment, Utah can pull out the gritty wins. I haven't really seen that with rising behind, you know, in the backfield. I need to see that they are going to be mentally tough this year in so many game, tough games. Utah has a top 10 toughest schedule in the country. They're, need, they're going to need to be mental, mentally tough week in and week out in 2023, or else they're not going to go back to that Pac-12 championship game. So those are the two factors that are holding me back from being absolutely confident that Utah can go back and three beat. Now, speaking of week one, this is a special announcement. Next week, we will have our very first guest of the revamped show. David Waters, host of the famous Florida Gators podcast, Gators Breakdown, will be joining us to talk down all things Utah versus Florida in week one. We're going to dive into this week one matchup. I'd love to see his perspective on what he thinks Florida can do to come in and get an upset on the road. This is the first time that Florida has traveled west for a non-conference game in decades. The nation's eyes are going to be upon this game. That's why I brought in a big time guest like Waters. This is going to be a special episode. I'm going to release it on Monday because of the short game week because the game's on Thursday. I'd like you guys to listen to it before the game, get some ample time. To hear some Florida breakdown? I'm super excited for David Waters to join the show. So be sure to have your friends and family and you yourself tune in next Monday for a special edition of the Thatcher effect. As always, we're going to finish off with the best Utah win bracket update. And guys, we only have two more weeks left. Now I'm going to release this next matchup on Friday of this week. And then I'm going to release the championship week playoff or the Yeah, the championship matchup on Tuesday of the following week, and it will end right as the game starts against Florida. And that way we'll know which game is the best before this season starts, and maybe one takes the cake. So, just a friendly reminder for those who are tuning in for the first time the best win bracket is a 16 seed tournament that faces off, in my personal opinion, the best Utah football wins of the 2000s. Each week, I've released two matchups from the bracket with a highlight reel and each game from each game on Twitter. I then create a Twitter poll, or an X poll, maybe as I should say now, and I let the fans decide who moves on and who's going to be the best Utah win of all time. So last week's matchup, this was the second and final round of the quarterfinals. It was the three-seed 2022 blackout game versus USC against the six-seed blackout game versus TCU in 2008. The 2022 USC game won with 73% of the votes. So that team will now be in the semifinals. The other matchup was the four seed 2022 Pac-12 Championship versus USC against the five seed USS Salt Lake City game versus Oregon in 2021, and the 2022 Pac-12 Championship won with 75 percent of the votes. So, again, we're in the semifinals now, and we still have only had one upset, crazy, which makes me pretty proud of my seating. I feel like I did a pretty good job. So, this week's matchups, as I just mentioned, this is the semifinals. The two matchups here. The winners of both of these are going to meet in the championship game for the best Utah win of all time. The first matchup, the 1C 2008 Sugar Bowl versus Alabama, the clear and high favorite, is going up against the 4C 2022 Pac-12 championship game versus USC. I think now, starting in the semifinals and in the championship game, this may have a chance to make it just a little bit closer against Alabama and maybe, maybe have a chance of an upset. The other matchup will be the 7C, the upset. 2021 Pact of Championship game versus Oregon against the 3C 2022 Blackout game versus USC. This might be my matchup of the bracket. This one's going to be tough, in my opinion. I think the Pact of Championship game versus Oregon, that's your first Pack of Championship win. And you're going up against, in my opinion, the best Rice Eckles win of all time. Fantastic matchup. So please be sure to tune in this weekend and make sure you vote so we know what Utah win is the best of all time. As always, be sure to follow along every weekend on my ex account, at NateThatcher15. Thank you all for listening, everyone. That's another edition of The Thatcher Effect. We'll see you all next Monday for a special edition of a week one breakdown against the Florida Gators. We'll see you all next week.